ומלכי צדק מלך שלם הוציא לחם ויין, והוא כהן לאל עליון. כתיב, explain this based on a passage in, in, in Mishle, which is a common practice in the Ishbitz, בי מלכים ימלוכו. The kings reign over me. והנה כפי הפשט היה לכתוב בי ימלוכו מלכים. Right? Upon me, they will, the kings will reign. Right? The English, the English would switch it around anyway. But in Hebrew, it's better to say בי ימלוכו מלכים than בי מלכים ימלוכו. Because the reign is being done by the kings. זכרה מאז בזה שאין הקדוש ברוך הוא ממנה למלך. רק מי שיכול למלוך תחילה על עצמו. So as the Pasuk of Mishra say, Bi melachim yimlochu. Only those who are, can, who are kings can be kings. Who can be a king? A person who reign reigns over himself. Right? If you can't be uh, your own boss, don't be anybody else's boss. Right? If you can't tell, your, if, you can be, if, you're, if you don't know what to do, don't tell other people what to do. Right? Don't be telling uh, other people how to, uh, they have to work on themselves if you're not doing it. The only person that God is going to let him have reign over other people is a person who's first reigning over his body, his, his self. That kind of person, God, let's be king over others. A person who overcomes his yetzer, his desire. אז ימליכהו היינו יהיה מלך על כל ואין צריך להשגיח על המתנגד לו. אחרי שכל כוונתו לשם שמיים. זה זה מה שלא חלטים פנאמנו. What does he say? מי שמולך על עצמו ושכלו, person who reigns over himself and his mind, מושל על תאוותו and has dominion over his desires, אז ימליכהו. Then God will crown him. And Yemelech Alkol, he will be, you will have dominion over all. And you, have, you should not worry at all about those who oppose you. Being that everything that you're doing is Lashem Shemaim, because you have complete dominion over your Yitzarim, and you have complete reign over your mind and, and, and body. Therefore, this is only a. The true tzaddikim, for sure, have this quality, right? I mean, and here, Rav Nachman says something, Rav Nachman says something crazy. Az yam meaning, if, if God gives you dominion over other people, reign over other people, that means that you fix your typhus, you fix your desires. Now, not political reign where you are being voted and you uh, buy uh, the votes. We know that in Judaism, the people that have uh, reign and dominion, or are manhigim, are people that the people chose. And in most, in most cases, they don't even want to be, right? They don't even, they're not even looking for that. But the, the Am came and said, listen, we want you to be our melech. We want you to be our leader. We want you to be our, um, 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 so, so on and so forth. And, and, and that's why. So the, the Mashiach says that if a person is fixed his sikhloi 
and atzmoi and tavasoi, then Kadosh Baruch Hu gives him rain. And when he has rain and dominion over other people, then he has, he should not worry at all what other people say. Because he's doing everything with Shemshema. Right? And, we, and we in, in our life today, in, in our very aesthetic, uh, uh, d- democratic, modern world, if two people are opposing each other, it's very, you know, doesn't look good. But in, 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 in Halach and Hasidus, in, in Machlokat Shil Hashem Shemaim, is a great thing. Right? We don't look at machlokis as a bad thing. If it's not machlokis l'shem shemaim, then yeah, then it's a bad thing. But then it's not machlokis. It's just bickering. But machlokis l'shem shemaim, uh, that, that is something that we see as great. B'shamay and Hillel, we see them as, uh, as, 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 as pinnacles, uh, people, role models. Um, and in the Hasidic world, we saw a lot of opposition, um, whether it's from uh, you know uh, Chabad and and, and, and 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 so on. And in Breslov, there were in Pshischa and, and the Mashilach was uh, there was definitely uh, the Kutzker was not happy with him, um, and the Kutzker himself, uh, right? So uh, when a person realizes that he has to do what God wants, he, he can't start thinking, but what's going to happen around me? I gotta do what's God telling me, right? If I know, how does a person know if that what's God talking to him? What's God telling him? That's a whole different conversation. But in in the reality that a person knows what God wants of him, he's got to do it. Forget about what other people are saying. So right, machlokas and machlokas sim shemayim. A lot of times we see machlokas as the the reason. Rabbi Nachman explains in Kutimaran that when uh, when a person really when a tzaddik really needs to do something in the world, the Yitzhar is going to stop him. So what does that different big tzaddik do? He creates a big uh, tumult and a big commotion around this tzaddik, a big opposition. And the Yitzhar says, ah, oh, well, why do I have to get involved? They're already, you know, the kids are fighting on their own, right? And doesn't even realize that that was all for him to move aside so the big tzaddik can, uh, can do what he needs to do. Right? Can, uh, yeah. and, and that's Machlokas Shem Shemayim. That's when, uh, when two people are, instead of contradicting, um, they're completing. There's a famous story that uh, when Rav Kook was, uh, was, was the, the, Rav, the Rav in Israel, the, the, the Rav of the Haredi community, um, was Rav Zonenfeld. And uh, Rav Kook and Rav Zonenfeld, uh, they disagreed, they opposed each other. And uh, so much so that somebody wants to ask Rav Kook, he goes, do you hate Rav Zonenfeld? Kook looked at him and said, hate Rav Zonenfeld? First of all, I never hate any Jew. But also, on the contrary, I love Rav Zonenfeld. So the, this person said, I don't get it, but you guys disagree. So Rav Cook said, he said, he said, me, said, and Rav Zonenfeld are like a screw and a nut. And we are both going from the exactly opposite work. But when we tighten, then we bring all of our Israel together. And he goes, and if there was no Rav Zonnefeld, I'd have to be Rav Kook and Rav Zonnefeld, and that would have been very, very hard, right? So uh, Rav Kook did not see Rav Zonnefeld's opposition as a, as, a, as a war declaration or, or any reason for them to not be friends. As, as the contrary, when they did, when Rav Kook did his famous Siyur HaMoshavot, when he went all, to all the, the Moshavot in, 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 in Israel to, to meet the people, to meet the Yidden, to talk to them, Rav Zonnefeld went with him, and they went together. And they went to all these secular, secular, removed places. And, and really, uh, Rav Cook brought his philosophy. Rav Zonfield brought his philosophy. And, uh, and they, they were, they, I don't think their goal was to be Makari people, but I think their goal was to strengthen Jewish identity. And they were definitely very successful. So we see here that <clears throat> when a person has total dominion over, him, over his body, his taivas, um, then God gives him rain. When God gives you rain, Melech Poretz Gader, the king can do whatever he wants. He doesn't have to... Um, um, Ask uh, for every uh, permission. He does what he feels is right. 
וזה שכתוב, הוא מלכי צדק מלך שלם. מלכי צדק was the king of שלם. He was שלם. He was whole and complete. היינו שהיה בתחילה מלך צדק שמלך על עצמו בצדקו. First he was מלכי צדק, first he was a מלך צדק, first he was reigning over himself in righteousness. And then, ואחר כך מלך שלם, then he became the king of Yerushalayim. Right? First he was a king over himself, um, over his tithes, and then he went outwards, right? Um, so you have to start, start with you, and then uh, expand. וזה תתם שחודש ניסן הוא ראש שנה למלאכים. Why is חודש ניסן the ראש השנה for the kings? מהראוי להיות בראש חודש סיוון, כי בוא נתנה תורה, right? It should be on סיוון, because that's when the Torah was given to Israel. In, and that's, and that's um, uh, where it says, B'malachim imloch, that's where there's a commandment to have a king. Ach la'asher ne'emar t'chila B'malachim, ve'achar k'chim imloch, ani she'aya melech al atzmo, ve'zeo b'chodesh nishan, she'israel metzamtzemin ba'achil alechem oni, ve'kablim alav ol ha'boreiz barach shemo, u'le'echol miyado pat yavesh, b'li tam ve'lo ma'adanim tachat ol b'sar v'adam. Right? So what do you do on Pesach? On Pesach, You, uh, you're mitzamtzim yourself. You don't eat uh, bread. You don't, uh, you know, you don't eat any substantial uh, um, uh, chametz. And that's to show that you are first... That's not mitzamtzim. Well, listen, in today's world when we have crazy varieties and food surplus and whatever, uh, that's probably, you have to do a lot more avoda to feel. But in the modern day, not the modern day, 300 years ago and... go back as far as mankind, right. um, bread was the number one sustenuity. And if you took away bread, um, and also in today's world, I mean, if you don't have pasta um, and rice and, and, and any of those stuff, what are you left with? Potatoes, right? right? What do we Ashkenazim eat on Pesach? Potatoes for a whole week, right? Uh, okay, so fine. If you're kashering your deep fryer, that's a different story. But, <laughs> but at the end of the day, it's, it's, you are mitzam same a little. And even if not, we're the, just the fact that we have to go bananas to what can I eat and only find those things that have a you know, kosher for Passover sign. I'm in time to myself saying, listen, in order to be a better person, I'm willing to make sacrifices. And therefore, the only the Rosh Hashanah for Melachim is Nisan, because they first have to be a king over themselves, and then when Shavuos comes, then they can, the Torah comes, then we can have uh, a Melech Yisrael, right? So Malki Tzedek, Melech Shalem. First he was Malki Tzedek. First he, he was king over himself, Malki, my king, he was his own king, in Tzedek, with righteousness. And then, he was also Melech Shalem. So Malki Tzedek, Melech Shalem, has this quality. Okay, so... So um, we, uh, Rashi tells us that Malkitelik Melech Shalem is shame. Right? The famous Rashi. Noach's son is shame? Yeah. How did he live that long? Oh, he lived long. He lived long. When, did, court, when did Malkitelik reign? In Avram's time. But he was already a king. Right? So, um, so I, guess, I guess that's possible. Fine. According to Chazal, he, he's... still around when Yitzchak's alive, when Yaakov's alive. Shame is? Yeah. According to the, the, the it's not a chazal, according to the how long the Torah says he lived and sense. how long we know he was born, uh, he lived like, uh, like 500 years, something, 600 years. Um, he was still before the, the, 
God said he's limiting life to 120-ish. Uh, but according to the Midrash, according to the Midrash, which doesn't fit in with the numbers, but the Midrash does not really have that problem, he's, he's around for Yehuda and Tamar as a court. The Midrash says that Yehuda um, and Yaakov and Shem were sitting on the Beisdin that says we, she's burn her if she... Yeah. Right? And that's what makes the Midrash even so much more profound because Rashi says that Tamar is Shem's daughter. Tamar is Shem's daughter? Yeah. Rashi says Rashi says Tamar is Shame's daughter and he told he said and, he, and that's, he made the din to burn his own and daughter and that's why it's even more powerful that, that she what she did she was willing to die in order not to be mevayish somebody um, and uh, so her father her father-in-law her baby's future father her, her grandfather-in-law and her dad right are sitting uh, right and that's why, uh, according to the midrash, it's very under, it's very uh, simple to understand why Yehuda was supposed to marry Tamar to begin with. So the Gemara says that he yalo, right? You should imagine that Yaakov's that Shem's, you know, greatest great Shem's daughter marries Yaakov's greatest son, right? But Yaakov, right. but Yehuda bounces, uh, marries some Adulami woman, right. and then okay, listen, this is how the world works. So Tamar, yes, has to take Tamar, give her to his son, and then he dies, and then until. God is saying in the circle says, you know, you can't, you can't, you have free will, but you can't cheat the system, right? right? It's gonna. Uh, there's a paradox that we live with, with that we can do, we can choose whatever we want, and yes, we still can't ruin uh, the master plan of God. Um, so, right. So, based on this, Rashi says that shame, right, was very, very uh, loved Yerushalayim very much. So when Shem sees that Avram is going to save Lot, Asher kefi ha-mishpat da'ato ve'avanato lo noda lo mazot. Shem, right, Malkitzedek Melech Shalem, is looking at Avram. Avram is going to save Lot. And, and, and Malkitzedek says, I don't get it. Right? El adraba, hello adraba, me'ara'u'i ya shelo la'azor. Ki itzmach mito amonu mo'av asher hem ha-shivavei bishad Yerushalayim. Who's coming from Lot? Amonu mo'av, who are going to be the are enemies of Yerushalayim. So Shame sees, you know, uh, uh, Avram going to save Lot. And he goes, wait, but I care about Yerushalayim so much. I know my, my Talmud, my biggest, biggest Talmud, Avram, also cares about Yerushalayim so much. So why is he saving Lot, who we both can be, are able to see, you're going to have Mo, Amun and Moab who are going to destroy Yerushalayim. And and also, the Torah hates them. But that needs to happen. You have Ruach HaKodesh to say, oh, he's going to have Ammon and Moab and they're going to destroy Yerushalayim. Like, it's like kind of like, you know, like, oh, it's definitely going to happen. Like, it needs to happen. Um, it might, but why are you taking part? Right? And Vigam Sana Hashem. God hates Ammon and Moab. That he said, Lo Yavo Bekaal Hashem. Right? Ve'ech Masar Avram Avinu Et Nafsho. How could Avram save them? But when shame knows Avram is Talmud, what does shame know? That Avram is Talmud is a tzaddik gomur. Avram Avinu is a tzaddik gomur. And therefore, if he's going to save a lot, even though Amon and Moab are coming out of lot, he must know something that I don't know. Ach. Right? 
So shame Davin to God and said, listen, I know Avram Avinu is the greatest tzaddik in the world, and if he's doing this, there must be more that he's able to see that I'm not seeing. So please let me see what he sees. So he should know why Avram is doing what he's doing. Says, that shame Davin to see what Avram doesn't see, what Avram sees. And God showed him that even though Amunu Moab can't come to Kalashem, but Amoni, the women, the Amonia, the Moamonites in Moavia, are allowed to come to Kalashem. And therefore, Avram sees something that she doesn't. Says you care about Yerushalayim, the ultimate kings of Yerushalayim, the ultimate, the people who really are going to take the potential into actuality, are David and Shlomo, who come from Amonu Moab. Blessed is Avram to the greatest esteem. Says Avram Avinu did not know why he's going to save Lot. He just knew that's what he needed to do. And whatever opposition says, whatever opposition comes and it says says to you, Why are you going to save Lot? Can't you see that Amun Moab come from them? And Avram says, well, I see that Avram have come there, but I still feel that that's what I need to do. So I guess I got to just be Moser Nefesh. And if that's my downfall for saving Amun Moab, and that's what I'm going to be remembered in history, fine. But I, I feel that this is what I need to do. And I, 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 you so he know? didn't care about the repercussions. Like he just did it because he felt like it was the right He felt that this is what God wants from him. Right? He says, He didn't know why. He just knew that I need to do it. And although it seems like not the right thing in the short-term uh, um, um, understanding, but but uh, um, God God tells me. That's why the kehuna was given to Avram, took taken from Shem and given to Avram. Why? Because. Avram was willing to be Moser Nefesh to do something that he felt was right, although Basechel, Basechel, it doesn't make sense. Basechel doesn't make sense. Meaning that in his heart it was right, but in his head he knew it was wrong? No, in his, in his, not that he knew it was wrong. In his Seichel, he goes, why am I saving Lot? Amun and Moab are coming right, from, uh, from, 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 from them. And it doesn't make sense. So from a logical standpoint, it didn't make sense. Right, right. But Avram says, but, but, but my heart, but my... But my my heart tells me, right? And he says, Shame said, Avram is greater than me. You are a Kohen forever, as I was saying to Malkitzedek. Who was saying to Malkitzedek? 
that Avram is a con that Avram's nation is a con forever. Dub. The the, the 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 reality that Malkitzeli couldn't see past Amunu Moab and see David is why he realized that Avram is greater than him. What do you mean? The re- Avram says, "I don't understand why Avram's going to save Lot and his children. Can he see that Amunu Moab are coming from them?" Right, I'm going to destroy your child. Right, but Avram, but but what but what what was what couldn't he see? David comes beforehand. Said David's coming after, right? Why after? After Amunu Moab. David's coming. To destroy your shalai. No, no, coming from. Oh, coming from. from. Oh, I see right. what you're saying. So, so, so it's, it's right. lichora. It's as if David was telling Malki Tzedek, you, know, you, got, you gotta let, you gotta let Avram reign. If you can't see this, you're not the best guy for the, for the, right? So basically, basically it's like logic doesn't always, isn't always completely clear it, because you don't, you can't see the full picture. Right. That, in well, this that's, case, in this case, Malki Tzedek couldn't see that even though Amun and Moab were coming to destroy Yerushalayim, from Amun and Moab we'd have one of the greatest Malachim that we've ever had. Right, so even though he's Malki Tzedek, he's a king, he's the righteous king over himself, right. and only then the Melech of Shalem, right. right? He still wasn't able to see something that Avram was able to see. Or he still wasn't able to make that Mesiris Nefesh act that Avram was able to see, because Avram saw what he saw. Right, there's a famous, uh, tell two quick famous stories. One is that the uh, Rashash, um, um, Rab Shalom Sharabi, he he came from uh, Yemen, and he was a big uh, nister tzaddik, and he went to yeshiva Beitel, yeshiva to Mekubalim Beitel in in Yerushalayim, and he is this little like twenty year old from Yemen, and these are all great rabbis. So he just asked if he can, uh, if if they need a worker, so they they let him. He cleaned the the base midrash and the shul, and in in return they let him like sit in the base midrash and learn, right. Um, like this little kid, and the Rebbe, um, Rev, I think Rabinovich, Rev, something with an R, um, he would give shirim, he give shirim um, to the yeshiva. Now, when you're explaining things in Kabbalah, and you have to find the right words, the right ways, the more it's, the more you're diving into deeper ideas of Kabbalah, the more complex it becomes to explain it. And a lot of times, the Rebbe would end the shir saying, "Okay, I'm going to get back to you tomorrow. I, I, I'm not really sure the, how to articulate this to you, this idea in Kabbalah." And uh, when he would come in the morning, he opened up his safer to write where he was, and there was a little piece of paper explaining it in the most simple way. And every time he didn't know where it came from, and he didn't know who has such great knowledge. And one day, his daughter, um, she was like preparing something, and she saw that it was it was the Rashash that was doing it. And uh, <coughs> he said, to, the, the, the Rebbe confronted the Rashash. The Rashash said, um, yeah, it, it, it was me. And he goes, wow, your knowledge of Kabbalah is so much is, is so vast. I, I need to ask you two favors. He said, you rush Shiva, anything. He goes, one, will you be able to will you will you be willing to marry my daughter? And two, will you be willing to be the Rosh Shiva? And he became the Rosh Shiva at age twenty, and the Rosh Shiva sat in the front row taking notes, right? Meaning the the Rosh Shiva looked at him and said, you know so much more than I do. Um, be the Rosh Shiva. Right? So that's one reality where we see that that doesn't that's, that doesn't happen. Um, there's another famous story. That uh, that this yid owed a lot of money to the pirates, and the the, the pirates, the, the 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 guy said, "I'm going to kill you, and uh, if you don't pay me back, he had no way to pay him back." He asked his wife, "What should he?" He said, "His wife, we're doomed, we're gone." And the wife said, "Listen, I know one thing in my family that I said any better tzaras is he went to Rabbi Elimelech of Lizhansk. and this guy's like, "I don't know who this Melech is, I don't know who this Rabbi Elimelech. I'm not going." She said, "Listen, if you if you care about anything about our life and you want us to live, go to Rabbi Elimelech of Lizhansk. So this yid was so poor. He didn't want to ruin his shoes. He took off his shoes. He walked barefoot, 
to Lizhansk. And he came to Lizhansk sitting out to the base midrash. It was Rabbi Yaakov Yitzchak Horvitz. Days to come, he'll be the seer of Lublin, the great seer, person who could see from one side to the other. So he looks at this guy, at this, 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 this Yid, and before the Yid even opens his mouth, he goes, you should run. This guy's going to beat you so badly. You're gonna, you, I mean, you, if you survive, it's going to be a miracle. The guy's going to beat the crap out of you. I can see it. And the guy's like, okay, I don't know who you are, but I'm here to see Melech. So he walks into the base midrash barefoot. And he goes, where's Melech? So he the Melech looks at him and says, Ah, my Yid, I'm so glad you came to me. So I want to let you know you should go home and everything's going to be fine. And you shouldn't go back to work unless they're willing to pay you like 60,000 ruble. And the guy's like, okay. Like, you know, I knew this was a waste of time. My wife just like, whatever, he says, you got to listen to your wife. And he takes, he takes his shoes. Uh, he walks back home, gets back home. The pirates comes, sees him. Says, "Where's my money?" Because I don't have it. Beats him, beats him to a pulp. The guy's barely alive. With his last breath, he crawls home into the house. The guy's could barely recuperate, and uh, the pirates goes back to his uh, to his house. His wife says to him, "Where's the uncle?" He goes, "Ah, oh, you just beat the crap out of me. He's just so much money." He goes, "Are you kidding? He, I need him for the market. How do you think I do all the bidding?" Think I know what to buy and what to sell? Yankel knows exactly the price. Because you go get him back. And you don't come back without him. So the price goes back, knocks on the door, says to Yankel, goes, I, you got to come out. He goes, I ain't coming out. You almost, you, you're killing me. I'm dead. And he goes, yeah, you got to come out. He goes, he goes I, I'm not coming out. There's no way you're going to let me come out. He goes, I'll, I'll, give, I'll, I'll, I'll forgive half the money if you come out. Yankel goes, no way. He goes, the whole debt is off the table. And he goes, no. He goes, I'll pay you. He goes, yeah, pay me 60,000 rubles. And the pirates goes, what? That's half my estate. He goes, and I'm not coming out. He goes, you know what? Fine. Come out for 60,000 rubles. Yanka comes out. He comes like the richest guy. He owns the whole city. A year later, his wife says, you should go back. Say thanks to Reb Melech. So he goes, you know what? Fine. He goes back to Reb Melech. He has his whole chariot. He brings all these presents for, to, to the Rebbe. And he's, he rolls up in Lezhansk and he's sitting outside. Uh, Rabbi Yaakov, it's like Arvitz, you know, the, to, soon to be the seer of Lubin. He goes, I remember you. You came with your shoes. And he goes, yeah. He goes, I don't get it. Did you run? And he goes, no. I said exactly what Rabbi Melech told me. So he went inside, gave Rabbi Melech all the presents, walked out. Rabbi, Rabbi Yitzchak walks into Rabbi Melech and goes, what'd you tell him? He goes, I told him, go back. It's going to be okay. He goes, what? you didn't see he's going to get beaten to death? And Reb Melech looked at, her, at the seer of Lubin. He said to him, ah, you're still young. There's always going to be plagues. There are going to be makot. Jews are always going to be beaten to death. But if you can look beyond that, you'll see all the good that God wants to give you. Because when you learn that, you're ready to be your own rabbi. So, you see, so, so, this, is, so this is what Makitelech sees. All, all he's able to see is, uh, is that. But Avram Avinu goes, ah, oh, there's, there's got to be something more. Right? If I still, if I know logically that Amon and Moab are coming out of Lot and they're going to be the greatest enemies of Yerushalayim and I still feel that I need to do this, there's got to be something more. And I'm most of my nefesh and whatever's going to happen is going to be okay. And Malkitzadik realizes... Avram Avinu couldn't see what the... He says, it says, Rakaya lemala me'asagata. That's what the man Shalach says. He's saying the seer of Lublin was, was, it, is not yet, but the... 
in this scenario, uh, no. You know, there are scenarios, I'm sure, that Rebili Melech wasn't also able to see. But what Avram Avinu was able to see is that he still feels, and Avram Avinu was a true king over his body, right? So it wasn't a lustful desire, it wasn't ego, it wasn't uh, personal gain. He really felt that this is what God wants him to do. Even though it wasn't logical, and when Ma- and when and when Malkitzedek realizes that, Malkitzedek says, ah, "You should be the king. You need to be the king of Yerushalayim, right?" Because at the end of the day, in the deepest depths, our life is not about what we think is right or wrong. Our life is about what God wants, right? The Me'ashilach's narrative throughout his book is Ratzon Hashem. How can we be more Ratzon Hashem conscious? How could I be living my life more about what God is asking me to do? Right? And that's part of, uh, a lot of times, that's part of Purim, right? Yeah, I, should I get, but I don't want to get drunk and silly. Right? But it's okay, it's not, about, it's not always about what you, right? No, but if I'm going to be drunk, I'm just going to be another frat boy. Okay? The God asked you to do this. Right? But there are a million shitos in Chazal that say that you shouldn't be doing it. Okay? Machlokas is a very beautiful thing in Judaism. What does God want of you? Right? What does God want of you? And if God wants you to let go, to be able to let go of your seichel that you're, you're a servant to, that you're imprisoned by, then maybe that's what you need to do. Right? So here the Me'ashilach is teaching us that Avram Avinu was able to do something so deep, right? so deep as going beyond what logically makes sense to him, going against what his Rebbe is telling him. But, but his Rebbe had a, to dive into God to, to be able to see what he sees and, uh, and do uh, tshuva and, and give over the reins, right? Like, uh, like the, the, the Rav of Yeshiva Beitel did when he saw that the, the Rashash was so much better than him and said, listen, you should be, you should be the Rebbe, right? Um, so that is a lesson here.